Hello and welcome to Moments with Mommy. I'm so glad you're here, where we ponder life from a biblical perspective, where salt makes us thirsty and light exposes darkness. Come, let's ponder these things together. Today I have a special guest with me. Her name is Jenna Erlinson. She's the host of Bridge of the Faithful podcast, and she's here to share her testimony with you today. But stay tuned to the very end because she also shares her beautiful voice with us in song. Yeah, my name is Jenna Erlinson. Yeah, and we met through, I think it was the Christian Podcasters Association, didn't we? Yeah, yep. How many children do you have? We have three. Three. After being told we couldn't have any. Oh, well, three blessings. Yes. That's very nice. We have eight grandchildren, two sons, but eight grandchildren. That's busy. It's feast or famine around here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So do you consider yourself tech savvy? No. No, not, not at all. all. That was a simple, straightforward <laughs> no. Okay, let's not go there. <laughs> my husband's the tech person of my life. And um, I, I feel like maybe I just haven't had to work on it. So now I'm kind of behind because he just does everything for me. At work, I'm pretty tech savvy. I can figure it out. We had a lot of training and I've had to force myself to to learn that side of it. But at home, no, not techie at all. <laughs> what would your personal motto be? My personal motto is usually just do the next right thing. Oh, that's a good thing. Wasn't that Elizabeth Elliot? Yes. Yep. Yes. Oh, that's, you know, when times get tough, that is one of the best things to remember. But one foot in front of the other. The rest is God's problem to worry about. And I just follow where he tells me to go. Amen. Amen. So how many languages do you speak? I speak... um, well, I speak two, German and English, and I am currently trying to learn Italian. Ach, du sprichst auch Deutsch? Ja. Ich yeah. verstehe mehr, dann ich spreche. Ich auch, yeah. Let's go back to English then. Okay. <laughs> I was interested in hearing your testimony because you have a podcast, and can you tell me a little bit about that? Like what it is or how it came about? Uh, the name is called Bridge of the Faithful. And why is it called Bridge of the Faithful? The um, Bridge of the Faithful is a podcast that I started. It was kind of almost more of an audio journal where I was trying to understand what faithfulness really means. Um, we use it so much in the Christianese language. God is faithful. I'll be faithful to God. But what does that look like? And I felt myself being called to faithfulness or to understand God's faithfulness. But I realized I didn't know what that looked like. And I wanted to dig in and really see and learn and osmote, I guess, what that would look like in my life and how that would transform mine. So the beginning of it was just me documenting the things that I learned. And then some people were gracious and actually listened. So I kept going. I've added some interviews now from other people's aspects, different stories of faithfulness that have inspired me to, um, pass that on to others and to pass the wisdom on that God's given me on faithfulness to other people who may want to listen. Yeah. I remember hearing that on your podcast. And I think that's why I wanted to have you on here and ask you a few questions about your own testimony, starting out with maybe how old you were when you first heard about Jesus. 
when I first heard about Jesus, I was probably five or six. We had just moved to Ohio. My dad's job transferred him out here. And my parents were wanting our family to start the tradition of going to church. I don't, I don't remember much before that. So I'm not sure if we went to church before or not. I should probably ask my mom that, but we started going to a little church that was just being planted and it met in our high school's lunch cafeteria. Hmm. And I remember just going to church there and, and learning about Jesus and what that means to follow him in my high school. I ended up going to that high school later in the cafeteria. So I thought of that every time I ate lunch in my school. What kind of stories do you remember hearing about in Sunday school? A lot of it was personal relationship. Hmm. I, I remember my mom was amazing and she read a lot to us as kids. And one of the things that she read to us was this little Bible um, for kids that told the stories of the Bible. And it was a little bit deeper than just the little kids. There's nothing wrong with the little kid Bibles that I'm reading my kids now because there's only so much they can understand. But mm -hmm. as we grew older, she matured the reading material. Sure. So a lot of my Bible story memory is not necessarily from Sunday school, but from what my mom read to me every night. That's awesome. That's where it belongs, starting in the home. I'm glad to hear that in your life. So I suppose she was one praying for your salvation as well. Parents were new Christians too, when we all went. So um, I feel like we were all growing at the same time. And my mom, I'm sure she was praying for my salvation because she always talks about how she has always prayed, maybe not necessarily for my salvation, but for me to continue following in my path with Jesus in my relationship. It has always been a passion of hers to pray for all of her um, children to continue along and, and pass that on to her grandchildren. That's always been something that's been special and important to her to pray about. Um, before that, my, my family is not necessarily Christian. We're kind of the main Christian people in my whole family. So I don't really know if there was necessarily anyone specifically praying for me to get saved, if that makes any sense. Oh, it does. Yeah. First generation believers. Yeah. Yep. That's good. Good to hear that she was, that they both decided to take you to church to all learn together as a family. Yep. So can you point to a specific time that you became enamored with Jesus um, as your first love? Or uh, do you feel this was more of a journey? Kind of both. I didn't have it. This has been a struggle of mine until a little bit more recently as I've matured and understood more about the relationship of salvation. Um, you know, you expect to have this amazing story where, you know, you sat down and you prayed the prayer and you were weeping and crying and it was just emotionally mm -hmm. magnificent. But mine was more, as I've delved into it and tried to understand it a little bit better, mine was more of what I call an awakening um, I was probably seven. I remember because I was sitting in the art room. That was where my Sunday school was. So in the art room of my high school and I was sitting on a stool and I looked down and it said Green Day. And I'm not sure if it was commemorating the holiday of Green Day or if it was talking about the band Green Day. I'm not sure which one it was, but I know that means I could read. So I had to have been six or seven. Mm -hmm. And it was I really love to read stories. So I'm going to go, I might reference stories, but I've been reading the wing feather saga. I don't know if you know what that is. No, it's a, I think it's a young adult Christian book series. It's fantasy. And it's written by Andrew Peterson, who is also a singer songwriter. 
And um, this kind of struck me as I was reading it. I, I still read these things as an adult. They're, they're coming out now. So I was reading this a couple months ago and I realized this is more my story. They are, this, this saga starts off with these three kids that seem normal in, in a oppressed village. And later they find out that they're actually royalty. They are the children of a king, but they had to go in hiding and, they're, and to hide well and keep the secret, they weren't allowed to know. Ooh. until the right time. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's kind of more what it was where I was sitting on the stool and I just had an, it wasn't a salvation prayer, but it was an awakening of you're my daughter. I was mm-hmm. God's. Mm-hmm. And like, it, you know, the little childlike faith is like, oh, okay. I always was. And I always will be. And that's kind of how it was for me. So are there individuals who have, who have inspired you besides this other creative to have a deeper walk with Christ, either dead or alive? I think the most memorable person in my life is actually Corey Ten Boom. Mm, why? Um, like I said before, my mom always read to me. And as I got older, like probably fifth or sixth grade, she read The Hiding Place to me. That was one of mm-hmm. our, probably one of our last books that we read together at night. And um, just the story, it, I always wanted to be that heroic. I always wanted to be involved in a story like that. And now I'm like, why would I want that? That sounds terrifying. I don't want to be in a story like that. But I just, I wanted to be able to know that if I were put in those situations that, again, I think this kind of goes back to the faithfulness, that I would remain faithful to God and be heroic and and stand strong even in times that seem terrible or um, horrific for justice, for God's love to spread the gospel that I would be able to do that too. And so whenever things are hard, I look back at that story and I, her wisdom and her willingness to forget, but also her ability to see, you know, the, the real kingdom in the middle of the mess. So once you learned about Jesus and walked along with him a while, or I don't don't know how long it was, how long did it take for others to notice a difference in you? It wasn't too long because I was I was a fiery redheaded little kid. <laughs> so I was spunky, and um, I told people what I thought. And I, I'm not the typical youngest child. I just I have this deep sense of justice. And I remember some friends of mine in maybe third or fourth grade using God's name in vain, and that just bothered me. So I told them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think to this day, they still don't like, I think I, they legit were convicted from it. I don't, I haven't talked to them recently, but you know, maybe from the things that I said for sure, people knew. Um, and then, you know, I was the kid in high school that people didn't invite to parties cause they knew I wouldn't come anyway and that kind of stuff. So I think it was more of through my choices, they knew where I stood and most of the time they respected that. Oh, I'm glad to hear you still have a relationship with them and that you can speak into their life and yet still be strong and stand in the Lord in his ways. Yeah. Yeah. So can you describe a time when you may have had difficulty trusting God and how was that resolved? There's a lot of those. Um, (laughs) From younger years or from more recent times? How about more recent times? Okay. Uh, One of the biggest struggles that I have ever gone through in my adult life is our infertility journey Mm -hmm. where like most people, you know, they want a baby 
And then they start seeing other people around them having babies. And then that turns all these, it, it really shows your true self and, and the horrible, ugly parts of humanity that we have inherited. And one of the things that I really struggled with in that time was either jealousy or comparison where I looked and I was like, that, that's like a, she's not married. She's not in a marriage relationship. Why can she get pregnant? Mm-hmm. Or their marriage is, is rocky. Why did they get to get pregnant? Or we're in so much better financial state, you know, that those horrible moments where you really realize that you're not necessarily as kind as you think you are when you're being challenged in, in life situations. But um, getting through that, there was, there was a three-year period where God really worked on my heart and showed me kind of this ugly that he was working on inside of me. And, um, I'm actually getting ready to work on an episode about that. If you guys pay attention to my podcast, you can maybe look for that. And I'm thinking it'll be in October. Um, Share that in the show notes. Thank you. um, But, you know, when here's the other part, the create this, this is the beginning of a crazy story that actually led me to where I am now. Um, During the, the recession time, I'm not sure it must've been, it had to been 20, 13. Yeah. It was May of 2013. My husband and I had gone out to LA to visit my brother who lives out there. And my husband had just finished his degree in computer animation. He had gone back. His original degree is in youth ministry and we didn't go that route. So then he felt like maybe it would be the the techie side, like I said, I'm not the tech person in my house. So he, the techie, he's very artistic, um, but also techie at the same time. So he does a lot of video, but also coding. And so computer animation was right up his alley. So we went out to LA to see, cause nobody's going to hire someone from the cornfields of Ohio into a computer animation degree. So we were going out there to see if we even liked it. And before we got on the plane, we sat and we prayed with each other and said, God, if this if it's time for us to move on to something different, make it very clear. And within hours of us landing in LA, my husband got a phone call that his job was just gone. Like he wasn't fired, but they just took his job away. He was gone. It was done. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, okay, God, that was more specific than what we were. (laughs) But thank you for making it so clear. And we're, we're thinking, yeah, this is great. You know, this is an answer to prayer. We're going to know this is the place to be. Uh, We don't have kids. So this is the right time to move. And two weeks later, we found out that we were almost nine weeks pregnant. Hallelujah. (laughs) So, so God took this, this timing. He worked in my heart a ton. I had finally kind of released it to him and we were excited about the adventure that was coming. And then all of the things that I said, God, I, we have a better marriage. We have a better financial standing. We have good jobs. And, um, God kind of took all that and turned it upside down. And he said, I'm giving you this baby at this time because I took away your financial stability and, I took away the easy, I mean, not that marriage was really hard, but that kind of stuff always, when you mix an infertility stress with a job loss stress, you've got two people dealing with their identity at the Mm -hmm. same time. So that's definitely a struggle. Um, And all of these things. And God said, I gave you this baby at this time because I wanted to show you that it's my timing Mm -hmm. and that I'm the one that's going to take care of you. It's not because of anything you did. Yes. Isn't he just like that? Boy, you both are creatives <laughs> in different areas. And, yes. But God answered your prayer so specifically 
And life is never perfect. And it's never a perfect time to have a baby, but it's always the perfect time to have a baby because God is in control of that. That's a wonderful thing. I'm so glad. And they've truly blessed your life. I saw that video, that little bit, just so (laughs) encouraging. I love to see them dancing. Yes. So we're like, yeah, this is the, the time to move. And then, so that's part of the other reason I think of God's timing of this pregnancy is then we're like, well, you know what, this is not the time to move across the country when we don't have a lot of resources or anything, um, or support. And I am a nurse. So I was working what's called PRN where that's, you kind of give them your schedule and then they take what they want from that. And then you go from there. You have a, I have a certain amount of hours that I have to work per year as needed. Yes, exactly. So I was able, thankfully, to switch to full-time in my job there and get the insurance and all of that. So that worked out well, but that meant, you know, I wasn't going to take full-time and then leave three months later. And we were were going to stay and have this baby and then go from there. So part of that was my husband got a job as a tech director at a church. It was a great church. It just wasn't the right job fit for him. Um, he was working a lot of hours and he is, he learned a lot about himself in that he is a team person. He's very energized. He's very introverted, but he is also very social. So he had been in a job. This job was very isolating and had a lot of expectations that he wasn't feeling like he could fulfill. And so that sent him looking for a different job, which he actually ended up going back and doing web developing at the same place he had been laid off from. And um, so that was an interesting, there are a lot of things that you have to work through emotionally to go back and work for the people that laid you off Yes, in a different area. So there was a lot of bitterment that had to be resolved and all of that, but the timing was perfect. And that's actually prepared him for some of the stuff he's doing now. But uh, he, yeah, he started doing, so it was kind of a way to bring in that computer animation degree, even though it's not exactly the same. And he'd been coding since he was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a lot of cool things where God kind of sparks our interest and prepares us for stuff later in that. But, um, he actually got the call that he got that job five minutes after Eli was born. <laughs> so, so there's that. And, and then, uh, Yes. So where he became the web developer and where he had been and where we went to college before, this was all the same place. It was called Cedarville University. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's a little Baptist college in Ohio. And um, in order to go there, you have to go to a church specifically okayed by their, like their denomination. We had to find a new church again. And Eli, my oldest, he was kind of a mama's boy. He did not like being taken to the nursery or anything like that. So we had trouble finding a church that could handle his separation anxiety. Mm-hmm. And finally we found one that we ended up staying at because they figured out my, my children love old men. Hmm. So if there is a grandpa in the room, they are fine. Oh, sweet. So the, the children's director there figured that out and she made sure there was always a man in the room so that we could stay in the sanctuary. And that's kind of the reason we stayed at the church we were at. Mm, it made them feel safe. That's good. Yes. It was very, very smart on their part. Yes. So that kind of, uh, 
you know, all our life experiences bring such a large part of how, of our outcome and who we are. God uses all these things, sufferings in our life to make us more like him. So now going through all of that, how has he transformed your life? You know, we are ambassadors for Christ and this is not our home. So what would you say your marching orders for the kingdom of God are right now? I know you're a nurse by vocation, um, but spiritually, what is it? How is it that God has transformed you and what does he have you doing and who has he created you to be? So I feel like my orders right now, and that always can change, um, is developing more into this encouragement role uh, or even training, encouragement and training in the same. Um, One of the things that God's working on in my heart right now is really digging deep into the armor of God. And that's something I feel like I've never truly understood. Um, There's a lot more out there than I thought upon my first research a couple of years ago. I really felt called to that too. And um, just knowing that we are in this battle and we can't always see it. And sometimes we feel it and sometimes we don't. Uh, But just understanding what are each of the pieces of it? How can I put that on myself? And then once I've been able to put that on myself, how can I teach others to put it on? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just shared something like that in one of my podcasts through Song of Solomon, um, that we, as we, because we belong to God and the armor that we need to put on, especially those to be shod with, you know, have the, our feet with the gospel of peace. We're supposed to go forward in the gospel of peace. We don't have princess glass slippers that we wear. We don't have bunny slippers. We are in a battle. This is a spiritual battle. And I see that through the work that you have already shared on your podcast. I see that you are sharing the word of God and that it is an important part of who you are. And I really appreciate that about you. Thank you. Yeah. So if you died tomorrow, what would you spend the rest of your time doing today? I died tomorrow. I would be spending time with my family. I'm glad to hear that because there are three things that God created in scripture at the beginning, family, then the church, and then government. So family is extremely important to him. And we are going to be at his table in the future, the family of God one day soon. I'm looking forward to you. I haven't seen you in person. We're living across the country from each other. I'm up here in the Northwest, up in Idaho, North Idaho. People think we live over there in Iowa, but no, this is a place with the potatoes. Ooh, but, nice. yeah. Can I uh, get potatoes to my corn? Uh, yes, exactly. Perfect meal, <laughs> full of carbs, but we won't go there. <laughs> yeah, but the table in heaven that God is setting for all of us one day soon that love him and are called according to his purposes that accepted Jesus as their savior that have this testimony. Our word of mouth is a strong testimony to unbelievers to see what God has done inside of us. So what does your current relationship with Jesus look like? It depends on the day. (laughs) I'd say conversational. Hmm. There's a lot of conversation. Um, I've been able to get to a point where I feel comfortable enough to 
share with him my inner thoughts and to kind of, I know he knows them, but to give them to him freely instead of making him pry them out mm-hmm. of me, it makes it a lot less painful. <laughs> it's taken a lot of time to get to that point, but a lot of times it's, I'm just, I'm a verbal processor and I'm an emotional person. I say I'm on an I'm a logical emotional person versus my husband who is a log or an emotional logical person. Like I I am more fueled by my emotions, but I think through them first versus my husband who is very very much more of a logical thinker, but he has an emotional side that helps him direct those. So we're similar but opposites at the same time. Got but it. Okay. for me, I'm just I am very much a go-getter. I'm that fiery redhead little uh, spitfire person. I am the kind of person that goes until I'm told to stop mm-hmm. instead of the person who waits and then goes, you know, so a lot of times I feel like God's like, hold on, get back over here. You know, my kids are the same way. So God shows me so much about myself through my kids. Um, but for me, I just, I'm realizing the way God created me to be is more of that emotional and verbal processor. And he has allowed me to have that in our relationship together where I can explore those things in my prayers or in my readings. And he answers either back through what I listen to or through what I read or in my heart in different ways. I've never heard the the voice of God boom or anything like that. But there have been times where ideas have come in my head and I know that wasn't from me and that kind of stuff. So it's just a lot of a, an open communicative relationship right now. That's wonderful. Yes, it is a relationship and it is conversational. I love how you put that because just talking with God leaves out that important side where he speaks back into our life through the word of God or through other believers or whatever he chooses, how he chooses to speak to our hearts according to his word. I love how you shared that. So um, I think one last question here. Do you believe that your view of end-time theology affects the way that you live your life now and how? How does it affect it? I lived, I grew up in the time where I think I was in middle school and high school when all of those um, Left Behind books came out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That really worked on my end-times beliefs. Um, I am Baptist. So, so we're pre-millennial. Jesus hasn't come back yet. We're, we're not at that point yet, but he is coming back. So there is definitely, you know, wherever you stand on that, knowing that Jesus is coming back to kind of take things back over again, that affects me in the sense that there's still hope. You know, things are rough right now with, with COVID, with the political unrest, with the racial unrest, with the world economics right now. There's just so many things that we have put as idols that are being torn down right now. Kind of similar to back in the time of, you know, Isaiah and Jeremiah, where, where God was saying, I'm, I'm tearing down these idols because you've been worshiping them too long. Yeah. You left me. And so there's a lot of that, that scary threatening, but there's always the hope at the end. You know, things are going to get hard. Things are rough right now. It's, it's hard to be a human at this point in time. It's hard to be a Christian human even more so, but there's always that hope. So that's the biggest thing that fuels me is whether where you stand on the millennial reign in that, but Jesus is coming back and there's hope. So in that sense, it gives me a job right now of, of that faithfulness role or that warrior role where I've got to do my part 
to know that I've done everything I possibly can to make sure that people know where they need to be. I think that's truly important. And I do believe, like you said, um, you know, no matter, there's one way of looking at it, however it pans out. So you've, you've got your pre view and your post view or your pan view. However, this scenario pans out because it's not a mountain of something that I will argue on, but I know what I believe and I know what you mentioned too. So wherever we are in that, we know that he is coming back for us one day. Happy to hear that you are using your life and your talents to you being so creative. I did hear something about you being a singer. Yes. One of your talents being that. God gives us all kinds of different talents, doesn't he? Yeah. And I'm thankful that you use yours for him to further the kingdom and that we can both use podcasts. There are so many Christian, good Christian podcasts out there right now. And we're not competing with one another because we're all different. God, you, you alluded to that earlier. God made us all different and that's okay. It's a good thing. We don't all have to fit the same mold because we're not going to all reach the same audience, the same people. There's a big world out there with many people that need to hear this message of hope that Jesus loves you and he's made a way for you to live with him forever and ever. And that's what it's all about. Amen. Thank you so much for coming today, Jenna. I would love to share a song with my listeners that I asked for from you. It's a special song because it has to do with faithfulness like your podcast. If it's okay with you, I'd like to tack that on to the end of this interview. Sure, that'd be great. Great, thank you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest sun moon and stars in their courses above join with whole nature in manifold witness to thy grace 
mercy and love. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow blessings all mine with ten thousand beside great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness morning by morning new mercies i see all i have needed thy hand hath provided great is thy faithfulness lord unto If you've enjoyed listening to Moments with Moni, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and download to listen at your own convenience. You can reach me at momentswithmoni, the number one, at gmail.com, or you can leave me a Google voice message at 1-703-951-3077. You can leave a voice message there, and I may use it on an upcoming episode. Or join us over on the Facebook community page. It's private, and we can continue the conversation there. Thanks for listening.